Hi there, I'm Kevin Matthews, a film fan who is asking everyone to like and subscribe, like and subscribe, like and subscribe, like and subscribe and share us everywhere. Because 2023 should be the year of Raiders of the Podcast. Well, every year should be. But come on, people, make it happen. You know they're just going to make it the year of Raiders of the Lost Podcast again. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) i'm tyler hosley and do you hear that noise guys i do too and that's the sound effect of the stinger sound used in adrenaline through the rush over and over and over again (laughs) i'm dave gray and this week i learned uh you you can't have too much of a good thing and uh, we got none of a good thing and this is Raiders of the Podcast. Yay! Uh, you know, I had I had a pretty light week this week. I watched uh, Glass Onion, which I wasn't as taken with it as some other people. But my thing is I wanted a good mystery, and I didn't get that. I wanted a savage satire, and I didn't get that. So, I mean, like, I'm glad if people enjoyed it. It's just, for me, it... A lot of Johnson's stuff, it just doesn't hit the mark. He's just, he's too soft-handed. Like, with his target, like, he didn't go after, like, the Joe Rogans. He went after extreme men rights people who we already know are stupid fuckers. Like, nobody is, you know, suckered by them. In Musk types, we've known they were fucking idiots, like, always. So, all these folks going... And he he saw that Elon was fucking stupid a year before he bought Twitter. Well, yeah, but everybody knew Elon was stupid a year before he bought Twitter. We just didn't take him seriously before that. I mean, his fans did, and they're going to take him seriously until the the moment their heart gives out because they've given all their money to his NFTs and his blue checkmark instead of life support equipment. But, you know, whatever. It's just, you know, I wanted I wanted to like it more. I, I wanted a good mystery, and instead I just got, like, here's a cameo. Yeah, whatever. I know Kevin's going to gush for it, and I'm, I'm glad you liked it. It just, it just missed the mark for me. Sorry. Well, I can see just now I'm not, um, I'm not gushing for it. I, I enjoyed it, but not, not as much as a first, and... He really, like, is it just me or did he really waste half the cast? Oh, God, he wastes so, more than half the cast. I mean, I had fun with Craig. I loved Janelle Monet. I thought that was But he that wasted, was great for her. He did nothing and, with her. And I like, she's Kate Hudson. great. And he had did nothing with her. He did nothing with Hudson. He did nothing with, um, I'm brain farting on her name, but she's always awesome. Uh, Catherine Hahn. Yeah, Catherine Hahn, man. Yeah. It should be illegal to treat Catherine Hahn like that. Yes. Uh, but uh, what I something else I watched on Netflix, which is actually I loved, was Matilda the Musical. 
Ooh. That's just sheer joy. And uh, I'm talking to somebody that doesn't really care for Roald Dahl overall. I don't like the 90s version of the movie that much, but the... Because the 90s, it's just a little too 90s. Oh, we're so cynical. <laughs> eh, whatever. Uh, but the musical was adorable. I loved it. I fully recommend folks checking it out. I went to the theater and I saw Avatar The Way of Water, which I liked the first Avatar. I mean, I think it's a fine movie, but I really loved the second one. Like, it's just Cameron going full James Cameron for three hours and 15 minutes. I mean, it's almost all underwater. This isn't a spoiler. The, the, I'll just, I won't spoil the movie for you, but the, the last half, of, I mean, the last act of the movie takes place on a sinking ship when they're, like, going through the corridors and the water's filling up. It's Cameron just going full fucking Titanic at the end there. It's wonderful. And uh, I would say even if you didn't dig the first Avatar, go see this just for the visuals alone. The underwater sequences are fucking stunning. They look incredible. Um, I thought the character work was way better. The world building was way better. Uh, it's just, it's really, really good. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't put it up with Titanic and like The Abyss or Terminator 2, but it, I would put it in top five, Cameron. It's pretty fucking good. I liked it a lot. And uh, after I saw that movie, I went home and I watched Underwater again, which is a movie that I really fucking love too. I know a lot of people are kind of in the middle of it, but uh, I really love Underwater. I thought Kristen Stewart did a great job in it. I just, it has like an alien vibe. I loved all those bottom of the ocean scenes felt super claustrophobic and just, it was, that's a great movie. And that's the movie I always use when people say January movies are mostly bad. When that came out, like Jan, I think that came out the first week of January. I think that's one of the best January releases we ever had, but yeah, I love underwater. But um, besides that, I've just been still binging Yellowstone. I actually just finished it. I'm all caught up to where they're at on the TV now. So I am uh, I am ready for the next season. And uh, that's me. One day when you're really, really good, Tyler, I will just be picking underwater for the podcast. Nice. But you've got to be so good. Well, I mean, it's not happening this month. So, uh, I had a quick look on our Netflix, and we still haven't got Matilda the musical here. Damn it! I think it's a a week or two away, which is frustrating. Oh, that's a, that's a sh- yeah. That that's it's really I really enjoyed it, and uh, Emma Thompson's well, Emma Thompson's always great. So you know, yeah, I've heard good things. Um, I was playing catch up catch up on a lot of stuff so i'll go through some highlights but i do generally agree with you dave about glass onion i don't think it it didn't have the bite um it didn't didn't work as well with the mystery and as i say um i i thought the the cast was wasted like i enjoyed it enough for it to be a good film but it's not even a kevin seven and you know, again, so long though. Two hours twenty-five, something like that. Um, I finally watched. I'm trying to think of where my cut-off point was last week. Did I mention that I finally seen the Banshees of Inisherin? Yes. Okay. Well, that's still awesome. 
Uh, I watched Coda, which I think was uh, last year. I think it was 2021 film, but it had been on my list to get to anyway. So I finally did it and it was very good. And it did make me go wobbly lipped and blubber on occasion, as I thought it would. Um, yeah, I, I just remembered it would be sitting there as well while I had that free uh, extra Apple TV subscription. So got on that. I know you've seen it, Dave, haven't you? Uh, no. Wait. No. It's it's on my list. Coda. Yeah. Oh no, no, I did. Yeah, no, last yeah. year. Oh my god. My brain just totally oh, farted. Yeah. With Marlene yeah. Matlin. Yes, I did. And it's excellent. We talked about it. And yes. I was like, I can't the believe they're show. gonna turn it into a musical because I mean I get why because there's music in it, but it doesn't make sense to do it on Broadway. Yes. Oh, holy shit. Yes, I've seen it. It's it's excellent. It dude, it's been a fucking week. Okay. My I was gonna be like, wait, was it Tyler that was telling me? No, that was that was me. No, that was that was me. Uh have you seen it, T? I have not. I don't think it'd be one that you'd necessarily prioritize, but it's you know it's it's good. It's kind of the, the there's plenty in it that's very standard and familiar, and you sort of know where it's going. But it is just it's really good for that extra layering uh, of the you know I I kept forgetting that Coda actually stands for I think it's Child of Deaf Adults, and uh, you know there's. There's there's a lot there about what you know what people have to add to their to their lives if they if they don't have their, their hearing and what also they can gain in, in other ways and and bonds and connections. It's just just really good. Um after that I watched Turning Red because obviously you go from Coda to an animated film about a girl who turns into a red panda when she becomes embarrassed. And I really enjoyed that. I thought that was a lot of fun. Have you watched that with Killer Dave? Yes. Because Big Red Panda yeah. is good enough for her. I, I, yeah. Yeah, when it first came out, we watched it. She yeah. she didn't care for it, and I, it didn't really do it for me. Like, there's better movies that cover the same topics. and Like, yeah, yay, Disney's finally covering some things but like i didn't get why the boy band or why it was in the 90s in canada like a lot of things just it, they did it for doing it and that's fine but i i didn't feel the characters were strong enough because like they didn't set the mom up well you know it, it was just like i give it credit for doing things but then it's like i don't think it came together as a whole yeah, I, I can see that. Um, I managed to overlook a lot of those little things because I thought the, the animation was, well, as standard, but it was so gorgeous throughout. And uh, it really, really ran with the idea and made it work well. So I, I really liked it. But I know what you mean about some of the, well, okay, most of the supporting characters not really being that well sketched out. And yeah, the the timing for the setting, I was just like, what's the point? So they can have a, so they can have a Tamagotchi. I mean, I, I didn't quite get that. Uh, yeah, see, well, it, like her friends left no, 
oh, my friends are my family. But like, unless you're like deep into it, I don't think anybody could like name any of them. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Uh, See how they run. I thought was a lot of fun and a wonderful little delight. I know I liked it more than you. I I just thought it was great. I really liked Sam Rockwell's performance. Sasha Ronan was a lot of fun. Um, I I do think it was. Uh, I don't. Know, I I think they could have easily just populated it with fictional kind of caricatures rather than the mixing and matching of real figures. But I generally enjoyed everyone in it. It didn't do anything that was spectacular or or groundbreaking or just I don't know it was really it was kind of really comforting though and almost the old-fashioned way of it was more of a delight after watching something like Glass Onion and also after watching Amsterdam which I watched Uh, Amsterdam isn't good so if either of you two are planning on watching it, don't rush. I couldn't recall if you'd seen that yet. Tyler? No, I haven't. I thought it looked too much like a Wes Anderson movie, so I just stayed away. I know it's David O. Russell, but it just looked like David O. Russell trying his hardest to be Wes Anderson, so I just like, nah, I think I'll pass. And David O. Russell's an incompetent piece of shit, so, you know, gave that a pass too. Yeah, it's um, I mean, I kind of liked American Hustle, and I say I know it was the cast sort of getting to dress up and have fun, but that was just enough for me to make it enjoyable. Not great, but enjoyable. But Amsterdam is, I mean that that would be the similarity of its strengths if it seemed like the cast were having fun, but they don't this time. It seems like. A lot of people that are there having to do what's asked of them while Christian Bale has calmed them all down after David O. Russell's had a shouty hissy fit. Which, you know, could or could not be true considering how I've heard Christian Bale diplomatically discuss O. Russell's style. And, yeah, but he went uh, back to work well, with him again, and that just tells me Christian Bale's also a piece of shit. Yeah, but Bale's mentioned, uh, like, specifically helping people get used to the style of filmmaking that Russell has. And, oh, that, it can no, be that's not... A, abuse is abuse. That's not style. Yeah. And he doesn't make uh, good enough movies to, like... Uh, okay, as film fans... You, a lot of shit gets excused if people like your movies. Like, Tom Cruise owns slaves, but that's okay because folks like Top Gun. But n- nobody likes David O. Russell's fucking movies. Who the fuck's clamoring about Three Kings? Or American Hustle, totally forgotten after one award season. And the fact that you think somebody's having fun just says how strong an actress Amy Adams is. Fair point. (laughs) Uh, At the other end of the spectrum, The Green Knight was wonderful. Again, I think that's 2021. They'll be on my list for a long time. And I was just like, I'm going to sit down and watch this now. It's a gorgeous film. 
I I loved it. I liked that you could. I went into it actually expecting to sort of have to work harder in my viewing experience. You know, a film like that, I just thought there's got to be so much that I'm going to be paying attention to, and I'm probably going to have to know these bookfuls of lore that Dave will just smirk and be like, oh, I can't believe you didn't read up on that beforehand. I was like, my God, this has got to be a tough time. You do, or you should, pay attention to the details and, uh, you know, see how characters are and how they're affected, etc., etc. But it's the focus is on a cinematic experience. It's gorgeous and it's wonderful and it's entertaining throughout. So that was that was fantastic. And then I, I guess last but not least, but a little bit least, I watched The Preacher's Wife. I'm a big Which fan one? of The Bishop's Wife. So I watched The Preacher's Wife with Denzel and Whitney Houston. Uh, and quite a few other people, and it was just to say the bleh. It was just bleh, and it's a shame because Denzel's wonderful in it. He's charming. He's Denzel. I got into an argument because I'm like, I fancy Denzel. How could you not? And Vicky was like, Well, no, no. I was like, Eh, he's Denzel. Um, oh, I would... dude. I mean, even when he does that thing where he puts on the whatever that kind of hat is and does that sort of, you know, the the whip around the rim, just just flexing the hat. My knee's got a jelly then. I'm like, Denzel, take me away or lose me forever. But I could see this being successfully remade today with Denzel still in the role of the angel. Give him a better film and it would be absolutely wonderful. Whitney Houston is really good in this. She's a lovely presence, but they bring the film crashing to a halt to give her a couple of extra bits where she can belt out a song. Understandable when you've got Whitney Houston for a film, but the rest of the film just doesn't have the right momentum or never gets the energy levels to make it all work and come together. It's it's a shame because those two are are really good. Um, the the guy who plays the Reverend uh, Courtney B Vance, he's he's okay, but he's stuck in that role, you know. But Denzel and Whitney together are really good. I was just I kept I kept willing for it to get better, and unfortunately, it just didn't. It was a below average film, but but Denzel was melting my heart. I mean, you, you you guys agree, right? Well, I mean, he is Denzel, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Denzel's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, before you specifically told me who doesn't love Denzel, I would have been like, who the fuck doesn't love Denzel? Everybody loves, <laughs> but no, apparently Vicky does not love Denzel. It's, yeah, I mean, I kept giving her the, the astounding look. It's that, it's that meme with the puzzled dog face turning around. That's what I kept doing. And she's telling me just to shut up. I'm like, but it's Denzel. 
Uh, so that was, you know, that was my week. It ended with me just crying out, but it's Denzel. This week, we decided to end 2022 with a tribute to high-concept, low-budget direct-to-video auteur, the late, great Albert Pion? Pion? I should have looked that up before, and I feel terrible now. But I mispronounce names all the time, and I actually respect this this person, so I'm sorry. With 1991's American sci-fi action film, Dollman. 1996's sci-fi action film, Adrenaline, Fear the Rush. And 1999's urban crime thriller, Corrupt. Hey, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Corrupt. Corrupt has taken control of his local neighborhood and is hunting down MJ, who's uh, stolen some keys keys from him. Or is it key? Like, was I mishearing? Was it? Were they talking about keys of, of narcotics or keys as in keys? I thought it was narcotics. I but... thought it was narcotics too, but then I was like, but like he's running around with that. Like, that's a lot of, you know, that's weight, but like mm-hmm. nobody's moving any weight. So I was like, did he like steal like literal keys to a lockbox or something? Because like, like, like where's, where's all this? Like, how did he steal all that? And it, where is it? Anyway, I don't, they didn't have a budget to show that, so they had to stay in a warehouse. So it's just, <laughs> right. You know. so... I mean, they didn't have anyone check over the script for <laughs> logic. Like, because like, yeah, I, well, I thought it was drugs, but then like, we never, we don't see any. Like, he never gets it back. He never asks where it is. It's just like, hey, we moved, and it's like, but that's, you know, that's that's a sizable. Way. Anyway, whatever. Uh, shame on me for asking, right? Uh, fortunately for MJ, his sister Jody has long been an object of corrupts lustings. Um, oh, oh. I like your synopsizing skills, Steve. Yeah, well, I mean, I've had plenty of time to practice them. Oh. <laughs> uh, he. This film was shot simultaneously with um, The Wrecking Crew and Urban Menace. All three are shot in an Eastern European warehouse. All three star Ice-T. I think all three also feature um, the artist formerly known as Ernie Hudson Jr., who uh, now goes by uh, Toboy Capogo Afinia uh I, he's he's now an uh, Iwo chief in Ghana, which that's that's fucking awesome, you know. Like most people during their pandemic, they just kind of they baked some bread, but Ernie Hudson's son learned that he was the reincarnation of a an ancestral great great grandfather, and now runs a cultural exchange nonprofit in Ghana. That's awesome as shit. That, I just wanted to you know take a moment to appreciate that. 
Uh, anyway, so Ice Ice T is a really solid actor, and he he gives a solid performance with what he's given in this. And he does in the other two movies. Those two uh, co-star Snoop Dogg and Snoop Dogg also not the best actor, but he's got presence. He can deliver lines. Tragically incorrupt. He is um, put against Silk the Shocker, who is not a good actor at, at all. <laughs> he is he's a particularly painful actor, so he spends most of his time not on screen. The problem is, uh, so does Ice-T. Who this movie mostly follows is MJ's sister, Jody, played by Karen Dyer. And, um... She, oh. She's also, uh, goes by, uh, Eva Ladair, generally, professionally. She's a mocap and voice actress. Probably best known for playing, uh, Sheva in Resident Evil 5. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, but you know, she, she's still working. She still pops up in, in TV movies and, uh, well in direct to video. So, I mean, you know, she, she's still going, she's still killing it. Good for her. But this is early in her career. This is only like her second or third credit and she gets much better. <laughs> I mean, the real problem is she can't really carry this role and she can't really work the dramatic parts. Uh, so, like, I I respect what they did. I, like, Albert got the money for one movie, went to Eastern Europe, filmed three movies. Are they the best movies? No. Are, are they complete films with plots and character development and, you know, uh, action that can be followed? No. But he made three movies, goddammit. Uh, yeah, it's it's not good. I, I'm gonna be honest. I didn't hate it. We've watched so much worse on this. I didn't enjoy it at all. But it it in this pack of three, it's in the middle for me. No, that's not true. It's it's, it's my least favorite of the three. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought I'd lie just in case Ice T like searches himself and he hears this. I wanted Ice T to feel like propped up because ice tea is awesome and the soundtrack is the best thing in this there's some uh old ice tea tracks that remind you that yeah he he used to be a fucking great rapper i i prefer body count but that's just me uh, it's it's a bad movie and it's it ice tea does his best silk is is bad Ernie Hudson Jr. is is bad. I have no idea what the fuck is going on at the end. Like the last scene, they just wrap it up with this neat little bow that just makes no fucking sense. And they never. Ex what the fuck happened to the drugs? That's why I was like, maybe it's not drugs. Maybe 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 it is like keys. He stole like a lockbox, something that could be you know easily absconded with. But no. So somewhere, like they never. I, I don't get why isn't the mob after anybody anymore. What the fuck? Like, did were they all killed? Was everybody that might then if that happened, why are they on? I yeah no, I don't like this movie. It's a terrible script. 
I, it looks like it's edited on a video toaster. Like it, it looks like. Do you do you guys remember when you bought a Windows ninety five PC? Yep. And the first time you fired it up, it played uh the music video for uh Weezer, uh Weezer's Buddy Holly. <laughs> yeah. And it was all pixelated looking. <laughs> It looked terrible, but you were like really impressed because it was like the first real streaming video on a computer. And you went, oh, my God, that's so awesome. Yeah. This whole movie looks like that. And it looks just like atrocious. But like I said, I have a soft spot for let's go put on a show kind of attitude. And that's in spades in this film. So I don't totally hate it. I, I can't recommend it. No one should ever watch this movie. Uh, you know, but I see some redeeming elements. And since it was made for like no money in a warehouse in Eastern Europe, standing in for everything, I am not going to disparage it as much as I would if it was, say, a twice the price vanity project made by a, a coke addled conspiracy theorist in LA. That was a direct reference to Adrenochrome. You should go back and listen to that episode, guys. <laughs> been a while to be talked about Adrenochrome. Yeah, well, I had a nightmare about it last night. Ah, <sighs> uh, um. Yeah, I, I fucking love urban crime films. Uh, th- and this was going to be my pick until I watched it. And then I was like, nah, fuck that. But then Kevin picked it and I had to watch it again for the third fucking time. <laughs> so here we are. Um, like Dave, I also love I- Ice-T. I, he's always good. I just I, He's a great rapper. I love him in acting. Uh, he's excellent in new jack city if you haven't seen new jack city watch it it's fucking amazing um he gives it his all here he tries his hardest and i love iced tea but that's it Uh, this was just 55 minutes of pure pain it it looks like it was shot through a potato while being screened through windows 95 QuickTime player in a house with slow dial-up it was just it's terrible it's super talky for a movie with such awful dialogue too i mean the sets the sets guys and i I use the word sets in quotes because for the hour that that this movie's on, it's mostly in a warehouse, but they look like fucking cardboard. I was in a, I was in a Christmas play in first grade and pretty sure had more money thrown at it than this movie. I just, Jesus. Uh, The special effects, they were very minimal, but they were here. I mean, they look like they were created using free software. Uh, This movie is just, it's so fucking bad. And I, and I hate ripping a movie from a director who just passed. Uh, Albert was a wonderful man and a wonderful human being. But this is up there. Not the worst, but it's up there with one of the worst things we've watched on here. I have heard Ice-T's commentary track on the DVD is pretty fantastic, though. Like, he bashes the entire movie for an hour. And uh, and I heard it's really funny, but that means I'd have to sit through the movie again to listen to that commentary track, and I'm not going to do that. So, uh, yeah, this was just bad. And like I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of urban crime movies, but this this movie is that's a, it's a no go for me, man. Just so bad. Do it, Tyler. Do it. Nah, I'm good. Do it. 
Yeah, I made a horrible mistake thinking I would have fun at Tyler's expense. And then two minutes into this, realised I still had over an hour to go. Corrupt is really bad. We did not do Albert Pune's memory justice at all this month with this selection of movies. We really didn't. But hopefully uh, people will remember his spirit and the fact that he got films done no matter what the resources. Very limited. I can't really add much to what you guys have said other than there's also a small role here for Romani Malco, who's perhaps best known to many people as one of the other sales assistants in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. And he seems to also be in Wrecking Crew and Urban Menace. So he's another one that did the triple. Yeah, I like Ice-T. I didn't... You know, I didn't mind Karen Dyer in this, but she wasn't very good. But she was... She benefited from being a character you could follow with less actual batshit insane moments that just happened. Like, neither of you guys have mentioned the moment where Ice-T, for no apparent reason, just does what you usually only see when Scorpion takes his mask off in the Mortal Kombat games. Just just has his body on fire <laughs> and sets someone else yeah, on fire I, and then walks away. I, I suppress that whole opening sequence, okay? Well, <laughs> I, I, was, I was sitting there and I'm like, wait, what? What? What are his powers? What's going on? And then it's never, never mentioned again. Ne- nothing. It was just that one time. He was obviously given a gift for that one moment. And for the rest of the film, it's, uh, if there are any battles, it's gunfire battles. And when I say gunfire battles, that just depends on whether the the audio syncs up with people shaking guns at one another. I thought I was going to see folk actually going bang, 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 like that. <laughs> they may as well have been holding twigs. It's just bizarre. Um, I I hated this. <laughs> it was it was painful. It wasn't it wasn't painful. And Dave's right. Like we've watched much worse than this because it's so like bonkers and illogical and is is aiming to to provide something that's fun and a bit lively it, like it doesn't succeed but it's it's aiming to do that and it you know it loads of that ready for what it it wants to peg as a, a sort of grand finale for this sort of thing it's just under 70 minutes there are way more painful movie experiences out there. That's the best thing I can say about it. It was, I think it was my least favourite from this week as well. But uh, it's a close call. Because next I'm going to mention Adrenaline, Fear the Rush. This was Tyler's pick. 
a film subtitled Fear the Rush because they don't want anyone to get a rush because <laughs> this is a film. I mean, this has less imaginative set dressing than Cube. I I genuinely would have preferred this if they were in some kind of time loop running through the same room again and again. Because that's really what they were doing without it being explained. To the be summer fair, of... it wasn't even a room. Yeah. It, was, it, was... it was a cardboard box tunnel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like with one open side. The summary on IMDb says a bioweapon leaks in Eastern Europe and spreads west. It mutates in a quarantine area, creating a killer monster. Can a group of cops stop it and the new virus? That's what that says. And you may read that and think, oh, sounds exciting. Don't. Don't even think that. This is not exciting. It's it's not good. And yeah, the problem with this is that they have to they have to stretch it out without having any of the resources to do it. You've got Christopher Lambert in a role. You've got Natasha Henstridge in a role, in a main role, I would say, and and they don't even get sort of any moments that make them feel like you know the stars brought in to sell this kind of thing they they just they just don't i ended up being uh more pleasantly surprised when i saw andrew diffoff in a supporting role because i recognized him he still delivers that essence of diffoff and yeah it was just a bonus for me but really this is written and directed by Pyun. It's people running about this, as Dave says, cardboard tunnel after this monster guy. There were moments before I realized it was going to be, you know, almost nonstop repetition once it sets up after the first five minutes or so. There were moments where I thought this might have a kind of, um, oh, what's, what's the name of it? Split second vibe. Remember that film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. after the monster killer. And, and there were, you know, a couple of fleeting shots where I'm like, yeah, it's, it's going for that. It's obviously, it's kind of dark. It's, it's sort of water running in places. It's the futuristic area. They're after this killer that's humanoid, dangerous monster. It had that. But then thinking of that just made me want to revisit Split Second which isn't a great film itself, but has Rutger Hauer being pretty awesome in it. Um, when you see, when you see a little bit more of the creature in this, the, that that wasn't bad. There's there's a good shot where you're always seeing the sort of lip curl up to the teeth. That's a standard shot you're always getting before it attacks. But there's a shot where it kind of goes across its eyes as well, and I've got those lenses in. They're basically kind of um, try to think of what I would most associate them with. Kind of like infected, almost zombie style eyes. It's it's a cool look. 
it's it's not a bad look. Like this had this had more going for it than corrupt because for what it's doing, it seems to make a bit more sense. Nobody randomly turns into Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. So there's that. But also you know, you can tell it's a basic plot that they're trying to pad out. Unfortunately, they've just got too much runtime to pad out and not enough inventiveness to to make that worthwhile. Like you feel every minute of this. I'll be honest, I uh, I'd forgotten <laughs> about this one this week. So I started watching it late last night because obviously I thought I was up to date on the podcast and then realised there's one more film I've got to watch. I watched about 50 minutes, got home from work today and was setting up to watch the rest. It took me about four attempts to find the place where I'd left off because every scene looked the same. (laughs) And I was just like, right, I could be here forever now. It's a Groundhog Day with me just trying to watch the end of this Albert Pune movie. That's me. I can top that. (laughs) Really? So I sat down to watch this Tuesday night. I got to um, Andrew Divoff showing up 10 minutes in and promptly fell asleep. (laughs) Christopher Lambert hadn't shown up yet. So I... Out. Out for like... I woke up during the final confrontation. I stopped it. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. Wednesday night. I started the movie from the beginning. I got to Christopher Lambert showing up. Out. I woke up during the credits. <laughs> it took me four days to watch this movie. <laughs> I wow. could not like nothing, nothing. I just, it just, I, I was so bored during this film. When I finally finished it, my okay, so uh, my seven-year-old niece came down to bother me because she was bored when there was still like 10 minutes left and I just I let her watch it because this is one of the most toothless films I've ever seen like folks will accuse me of being like way too lenient on what I let the child watch but I do have limits and there's no blood in this movie there's no violence every everything is fucking off screen the characters in this are some of the least effective morons ever like Christopher Lambert has no reflexes. He gets hurt like six times after staring down the villain for 30 seconds. He just stops and stares at him before getting shot. And that happens like that's not a spoiler. That happens like 12 times in the movie. He stops and he stares at him. Natasha Hinstrich's character is, is absolutely horrific. Like, just so, so useless. Uh, Like, she's gorgeous, so that helps. But, oh, my God. (laughs) It's just so bad. And it's not fun bad. Like, I love fun bad. Like, like I I will watch your movie when it's you and your buddies running through the woods of your small, I don't know, uh, South Dakota town hunting your buddy in a rubber alien mask. I will watch that as long as it is fun. This is not fun. And how, like, how it gets away with this, bo- this nothing body count? Uh, did you guys recognize who the 
police cop captain was. No, who was it? No. Uh, Christopher Guest's brother. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Nicholas Guest. I guess he's Lord Nicholas Guest, isn't he? Because, you know, they are inherited. I don't know. Yeah, but I can never recall how titles actually work like that. Yeah. I, I think he I think I think their older brother isn't a lord because he was born out of wedlock and I can't believe I know that much about the the guest family line. <laughs> like, I can't remember anything important, but I I remember that. That's fun. Um. Yeah, it's bad. I don't know how this is rated R for gruesome violence and gore. There's nothing in it, like at at all. <laughs> probably the the language i would imagine but even like this is this is like childish language vulgarity like christopher lambert just says fuck a lot and like mm-hmm. no reason for it it doesn't fit there get the fuck out of the fucking fucking way fuck <laughs> uh like doors confound these characters this is like this is just not fun and that's like cor- corrupt was bad <laughs> but at least somebody tried in Corrupt, and that, that person was Ice-T. Nobody's trying in this movie. Um, like, And then somebody just shows up with no explanation, and it just ends. I just... It's just... It's not a good movie, and it's not a fun movie, and I don't... It's just kind of... It's just kind of there. I'm glad somebody was giving Christopher Lambert paychecks, but maybe they shouldn't have. Like maybe, maybe this one was just too far, and somebody needed to be like, "Hey guys, this is we've gone too far. That's enough." Yeah, that's me. I have I, like nothing to say about this movie. It's just it's there. I watched it. You shouldn't. That's that's it. Um, I may have spent twenty five dollars on a Scream Factory Blu Ray of this. Maybe. I'll let you decide if I did or not. Um, like, there are so many movies out there. Why the fuck? Like, I am so, like I know people love Scream Factory, but there are so many other movies out there you could have put on Blu-ray that it would have benefited and it would have been, like, an interesting thing. No. No. Sorry. Me and Christopher Lambert are probably the only ones that have this on their DVD shelf. So, hey, I don't even think Natasha Henstra Jones this one. Um, I said, I said this when I picked this last week, back when I was in middle school, they played this movie on Showtime Beyond, like every single morning when I was getting ready for school. So I must've watched this shit like 20 times over the years, like not even exaggeration. I watched this almost every morning because it was always on every morning. I just put it on in the background. Um, the movie is pretty much just Natasha Henstridge and Christopher Lambert lumbering through dark catacombs being hunted by a guy who looks like he walked off a future wrong turn set. I mean, that's it. That's the movie. It's a bad movie. But unlike Corrupt, I mostly enjoyed this one. I, I, I do think it has some solid moments of genuine tension here and there. The atmosphere is pretty good, and it's pretty claustrophobic at times. I, when it when people are stuck between walls and catacombs, I, I'm super claustrophobic myself, so it, I find that shit kind of effective at times. Uh, 
I also kind of love that it kind of felt like I was watching a PS1 survival horror game come to life on screen sometimes. I mean, I just, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of felt like that. Um, I might get some shit for saying this, but I actually think this might be some of Pune's strongest work as a director. I think it's his best looking movie that I've seen of his work. Um, I like the way I like how he shoots through those corridors using the characters flashlights to basically light the entire film. I thought that was a good choice. And I think it works really well for the atmosphere of this movie. It's a decently made film for what it is. And from what I've heard, this is what I've heard. It was in a trivia section on IMDb. This was like cut to shit by the Weinsteins. Uh, I haven't seen any of the alternate cuts. I think one does exist on DVD. That's like 94 minutes. But apparently... Pune's original cut that was submitted was 110 minutes long. I don't know what the fuck they could have added for an hour and 50 minutes. Any uh, character work? I Probably. I just... It, it couldn't be anything in those corridors because I can't imagine that being stretched out any longer than 70 minutes. And this run, what, an odd 76 minutes? Maybe? 75? I, it's not even that. It's maybe... seven. It might be 70, but that's pushing it. That's with credits. Yeah. I, for the plot they have, I don't think this movie should exceed over 80 minutes. I think the running time that it has, it's fine. Maybe it was right to cut down to 70 minutes from 110, because if the whole running time took place in the catacombs, this would have been super tiresome. I mean, it was tiresome at 70 minutes. So uh, it does overstay its welcome a bit, but... Even with its glaring issues, I do enjoy the movie. I think the cast is fine for what they're given. I mean, it has some decent moments of tension. I do like the cast. I love Natasha Henstrich. She's gorgeous. I loved her in Species. I like Christopher Lambert and Highlander and Fortress, which we covered on here. I thought he's good in that. Um, the most hilarious thing about this movie, though, is trying to pass Romania as Boston. I mean, that is just fucking hysterical because that is clearly Eastern Europe. So... But hey, for me, that's kind of part of his charm. It's it's not a good movie, but I've always kind of enjoyed it for nostalgic reasons. And that's me talking about Doll Man, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm going... The obvious winner. I mean, let's... Okay. Yeah, come on. We don't know about that, Dave. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Doll Man. Uh, it's about an alien policeman played by Tim Thomerson who lands on Earth where everyone's a giant because he's like 12 inches tall. Uh, this was actually the first time I've seen this one. I've actually seen Dollman versus Demonic Toys, which was fine-ish, I guess. Uh, this was okay. I can take or leave Full Moon, if I'm being honest. Like, I love the first three Puppet Master films, and maybe four or five, they're okay. But... I think the first three Puppet Master films are fucking top tier. Everything else, eh. Uh, I liked the dystopian kind of cyberpunkish vibes at the beginning, and Thomas Thomerson is good to the point that he carries this whole fucking thing on his tiny little back in this movie. Um, the movie itself never truly runs with its concept. It's fun enough, but that's the problem. It's just fun enough, and it never strives to be anything more than that. It's cheap. I get it, so I can't fault it for that. But it looks every bit of its budget. It's just cheap. Not as cheap as Corrupt, but it's just cheap. Full moon cheap. It's also, like, poorly shot and really fucking tedious. I mean, for such a short movie, it really feels padded, which is 
a complaint for all three of these fucking movies, actually. Um, my pick and Corrupt. I mean, they all felt so much longer than they are. I just, I've seen way worse from Full Moon. Way worse. Um, and one we covered on here, Oblivion, which I despised. But from what I've seen, I'd probably put this at the bottom. It's not completely awful. I just think it wastes its concept. It could be decent, but it's just middle of the road, meh. Yeah, I'm in agreement with Tyler, really. This is helped by the cast. Uh, so, Thomerson's good in the lead role. He's uh, generally always quite good. But even then, he's not quite given a good enough script to work with. Like, not every script he can get will give him a transfers film, but you know he's capable of it. So just give him more. That's what I think. But you've got Jack Earl Haley as a as a baddie. Um and I like the the woman, uh the female character played by Kamala Lopez. Uh she was good. Everyone else kind of blurred into one for me. It's it's okay. It's a shame that when the concept should be taking things up a notch, it just settles into it just it it feels like time wasting and never never has the fun with things that it should have because we all know that none of us have made a movie and a a feature. You've done your movies, but you know, features. But we respect getting a film done and can sometimes have an idea of what different things may involve. Like, you could have a few more gags in this to do with the, the size differences. You, you could have made something, you could have done some cheats just to play that up. Uh, there are far too many shots here of Thomerson just <laughs> without without enough around him to contextualize things and uh to emphasize the you know the, the novelty almost the you know the, the shrunken man idea. Uh you don't have that. You instead you get shots of people carrying around a craft with a grey-haired Thomason doll in it, and and that's that's most of what we see of him being tiny in this big world, and it's a shame because even the the opening sequence, as Tyler said, that was that was good stuff, and I liked the idea of it was just like seemed to be a deceptively small gun that was basically blowing people in half. Like actually blowing them apart with every shot, and I liked that. And when he was small, and uh, that was still a really powerful gun that was causing damage. And the initial meeting when he's on, uh, well, it's is is it Earth or is it just an Earth-like planet? I forget already the premise. Yeah, he lands here, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he lands on Earth, but it's the it's the sleazy 
crime-ridden part that he could make a difference in. When he lands and is shooting baddies, like that's that's quite fun. And I was hoping it was just got to keep going along in that direction, like keep having gags that will show up the size difference and then keep allowing him to take pot shots at people with a gun that is even tinier than we first saw it, but still really, really powerful. That would be enough to keep me happy. That was it. But it just it just doesn't. And I get that they would obviously be working with a small budget and limited resources. But as I say, I think I think there were easy ways to insert just some some extra details and some extra gags that would help this be much more entertaining. It's okay. It's and it's okay because there are a couple of familiar faces in main main roles. And I'd say Lopez is good in her role. But it, it should have been better than this. Yeah, okay. it it should be better, but uh Tim Thomerson's really good. I love him in other things. Transfers we should why co- haven't we covered transfers yet? I think I mean, it's just because we've all seen transfers. Oh yeah, okay. That's that's a good point. Um like Tom Thomerson is great. He he carries this film. And uh, I'm gonna say I think Jackie Earl Haley is pretty great. Uh the script is is absolutely <laughs> atrocious. The war on drugs stuff is pretty hilarious. Uh, I, I like that they give some real social conscience to the villain. I mean Jackie Earl Haley has some good lines that just totally well, I mean, they, they do make a, a joke out of certain things that, you know, I think are fair game. Um, yeah, it's it, it feels a little cut down. Uh, so his the other cop at the laundromat, his name is Sky Resh. Do you know who played Sky Resh? I do know, Dave. <laughs> Nicholas Guest. That's why I mentioned it earlier. See, things come around again. Nicholas Guest was actually in a, a whole bunch of uh, Punian films. That's all. That's why I pointed it out. I thought it was, you know, including a Brain Smasher, a love story, Kickboxer 4. Uh, what else? Racing Stripes, but that's not an Albert Puyun movie. But, you know, whenever I get to mention Racing Stripes, I'm going to do it because fuck yeah. I mean, this has the best cast because there's also Frank Collison and Frank Doubleday in there. Yep. And they've done a, a fair mix of genre stuff that people would know him from. I mean, really, the, the, the whole problem, my problem with this movie is it, it, and it's the same problem I have with a lot of um, ad- adrenaline. Because, yeah, adrenaline feels like there should be more there. But what we're left with is, like, well, it's a Doctor Who episode. It's a lot of running through the same corridor. But that corridor is a tunnel that they're crawling through just to make it longer. Uh, but Dollman has, like, there's a lot of little bits that are just out because like what's the point of the the two kids 
they're in two they're, two scenes. Like I I get it for character motivation for the woman, but why you know, why are we even bothering with them? Like there, there's a scene where there's a whole bunch of people where it's like, am I supposed to know who these people are? It's all her neighbors. Like, it, was there more of Dollman defending the neighborhood that like I missed? Cause yeah, this this feels like there's a lot lifted out, but I think what's left it's it's the best of the three we watch because there's there's some solid uh, commentary on certain things. There's some all right jokes and uh, Jackie Earl Haley and Tim Thomerson make it work as well as they can. It is that time to pick one. I've already made my sentiments clear. It, for me, it's Doll Man. I mean, it has to be Doll Man. Only an insane person would vote for anything other than Doll Man. Uh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> you know what? Uh, I I can't I can't go with Doll Man because I'm never gonna watch that again. Insanity. I'm never going to watch Dollman again. I'm never going to watch Corrupt again. I mean, unless I'm forced to, which I've I already watched that bitch twice. So thanks, Kevin. Um, I did spend $25 on a Blu-ray Scream Factory of Adrenaline, so that's my pick, Adrenaline. Wow. You wait till we do our DVD commentary special, and I'll make you watch Corrupt to listen to that commentary. <laughs> I don't know why you're punishing me for your purchase. <laughs> of a, a blu-ray but okay i you're still angry that you bought uh and i don't know how you didn't like anyway whatever <laughs> i was going way back to that sci-fi western that he name dropped dislike there's an oblivion too you're so lucky i didn't make you watch that yet <laughs> i i have that sitting on my shelf that's one of the fucking movies that i own for this podcast <laughs> so, hey. uh next Next month, uh, Japanuary starts, but uh, before that, this this episode goes live on New Year's Eve. So uh, I guess we've never done this before, but what was y'all's pick? What was your best 2022 flick? Uh, Well, since I saw it, mine's has been nope. It is it is tied. It is a close call with everything, everywhere, all at once. And I can see, you know, I can understand why people wouldn't like Nope or aspects of it they didn't like or however they, they viewed it. But I think it's amazing. I think it rewards repeat viewings. I think it's so dense, but also still, like, provided everything on a level of spectacle in cinema that it, it was top notch yeah, so it's, it's not for me but it's, it's like there's a splinter in between that and everything everywhere all at once which has added Michelle Yeoh so do you mind if I do a top 10 no go for it Okay, well, I'm going to go backwards, and I'm going to let you guess my number one. Okay, so number 10, Crimes of the Future, David Cronenberg. Really like that one. Still not seen that yet, D. Number nine, Avatar, Way of Water. 
Number eight, Pearl. Number seven, X. Two Ty West films in my top ten of the year, guys. That is a fucking shocker. Who would have thought? Number six, Elvis, Baz Luhrmann. Number five, The Monsters, Rob Zombie. Uh, number four, Bones and All. That movie's incredible, and I hope you guys get to see that one soon. Number three, Blonde, which was the Andrew Dominic Netflix movie about Marilyn Monroe. Number two, the movie we covered on here, Pleasure. And what do you think my number one of 2022 is? Uh, well, did Gasper No have a movie this year? Am I brain farting on a title? He did. I'm going to say oh. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Yeah, that's that's my guess. You're both wrong. It's Halloween Ends. I oh. knew it was Halloween Ends. Shit, I knew that too. That's the worst part. I knew it, and this it just I it, like the title didn't pop into my head. And Ty, Kevin said bodies, bodies, bodies. I was like, yeah, that's got to be a top ten for Ty. No, yeah, I'm surprised that wasn't in there. Too. I, I thought you were yeah, it was actually my number ten for a while, but I just rewatched Crimes of the Future again, and it's such a weird ass David Cronenberg movie that I just I fucking love that movie. So it kind of took that place. But bodies, bodies, bodies is fantastic. And I think, Dave, you'll probably really like that one. If you like murder mysteries, I think it's one of the best satires I've seen in a really long time. And it actually has the balls to go there. So, Well, that's, that's really why my number one is The Menu, because I, I loved it. Uh, and it had no problem mocking everybody involved. I do think that it's a false premise to say that someone can't love something and not be good at it, which, you know, it, it does at one point, because I, I love talking about this stuff and... I'm more of a destroyer than a creator. You know, I mean, I, I did the film school thing and I made some shorts, but like, I don't have the patience to make a feature, but I'll happily tear yours apart. You know, but that's just, that's how I experience my love. But no, I that's excellent. The, the cast is great. It, it has no problem mocking everyone. It doesn't ever say anyone is moralistically correct. Uh, so yeah, that one, that was probably my favorite 2022 flick. Dave, did you see Decision to Leave yet? Uh, no. No, that's that's on my list. But There you I, go. Your double bill of bodies, 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 and Decision to Leave. Yeah. It's, it's lined up. It, it probably is, actually. I mean... Yeah, I, I, I just I haven't had time for... I haven't been able to fit either one of those in yet, because... Because that'd be, that'd be it with Banshees of Inner Sheraton. Like that's uh, that's that's me, and then I hope to get to the menu soon. Uh, I am intrigued by the idea of bones and all, but I don't know if I'll if I'll end up like it or not. So the menu is one that I suspect because of the cast involved as well. I'm thinking I want to get to that as soon as possible, and that might be might be up there. Oh, the cast is so good, and uh, Anna Taylor Joy makes is ex. I mean, she's excellent. Mm. Nic- Nicholas Holt is great, and it's been a long, long time since um, Voldemort had a really good role. But he's inc- he. I mean, he's incredible in it. And um, oh shit, the 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 hostess lady is amazing, and I can. I'm just. I'm brain farting on the actress's name. I feel really bad about that because she's fantastic and should be equally hyped with the others. But, you know, I'm just not as familiar with her as them. So I'm sorry. My bad. I 
Anyway, next week uh, we start Japanuary, the annual January celebration of Japanese cinema. And I'm going with a, a classic. I'm going with 1953's Ugetsu. And I'm going with a sequel to a movie that I picked last Japanuary that we all really liked a lot. And I'm going with Gantz. Perfect answer. Oh, was that that was one with a big red, uh, big black orb thing? Yeah, it is. Right, yeah. Nice. Good job on all the technical terms. <laughs> that, well, that was. I mean, it, that's what it is. I don't. <laughs> nice. All right. Swinging, swinging right out of the gate, T. Oh yeah. I remember us really digging. I loved the first one. I remember Kevin really digging it. I think you liked it too, Dave. Yeah, the first the first one was solid. I, yeah. I, I like Gantz is one of those ones where all the different versions, each one improves. Because mm-hmm. like the the comic's pretty messy, and the animated is pretty messy, but better, less messy. <laughs> and the movie got you know finally got it, not so icky rapey. Yay! <laughs> I Yay! saved it for I saved it for a full year. For next Japanuary, so been sitting on it. I'm impressed. Yeah, I waited. We're on Instagram, Raiders underscore of underscore the underscore pod. We're on Facebook, where I have been remembering to do weekly posts every week on Wednesday. Uh, we have a YouTube channel where you can like, subscribe, and comment and watch Kevin's totally awesome videos weekly. I think I, I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's that's it. I was just about to say, as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. See ya. Something nice to wear and a place to sleep. My name is Ice. I'm the nicest guy you're ever going to meet. Tell me what you want. I'll make your life complete. She said, I always wanted to be a I always wanted to be a You just had to find a player that was right for you. Now you met the Ice Baby and your dream came true. She said, I always wanted to be a I always wanted to be a You just had to find a player that was right for you. Now you met the